Welcome to Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things. I'm your host, Carrie Drugan, and I will be showing you how average, everyday middle-class people are choosing to make positive changes in their life to accomplish what makes them happy. I hope these podcasts will allow you to feel a connection with people who are just like you and make you realize you can have the life you want. Welcome, everyone. Today, I have Shannon Cowett for our interview. How are you today, Shannon? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I've known you for a couple years now, and I wanted to have you on the show because one of the things that I really admire about you and I think is so extraordinary is you have this can-do attitude. Oh, thank you. Um, a lot of people, yeah, when they, when they do things, they're kind of scared or they're fearful, but you're kind of always like, you know, bring it. I'm ready, which is <laughs> great. So I want to start with one of the, I mean, one of the many times um, that you've done it was uh, last year or so you had injured your knee mm-hmm. and you were performing and dancing with us and walking around and do all sorts of things. And you were like, okay, if we can figure out a way to include me in the routine, then I can do it. <laughs> And we had you dancing and you sat in a wheelchair because you couldn't be on the leg until it healed. And you rocked it. And I know my, <laughs> my parents came to that performance and they're like, oh my God, that girl was so good. Her like oh, attitude awesome. and energy. So where do you think that that attitude comes from? From the ability to say, yep, I'm going to do it. I don't care what other people think. I'm going to try my hardest. Where do you think that that comes from? Oh man. Um, well, I guess... I don't know. My, my family's always been really encouraging. Um, but I just kind of think if, if I didn't do this, would I regret it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of leads everything that I do, you know, am I going to regret not being part of this? Then, you know, if the answer is yes, then I'm going to do it. it. Did you think, I mean, was that something as a kid growing up that your parents kind of encouraged or enforced? I mean, was there ever a point in time where you were, were fearful of missing out or doing something or no? Um, when I was a kid, I was fearless. I would do anything. Um, you know, I, it didn't matter. I was just all about everything that there could be to be about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, uh, when I got into, I guess, middle school, I started, um, as a lot of girls do, you know, we start, you know, being afraid of things and, you know, not wanting to, um, be in the spotlight as much, at least, you know, me. Um, so I kind of, my parents still encouraged everything, but they also didn't, you know, force me to do things that I didn't want to do. Um, but after the car accident I was in, um, and I couldn't walk for a while after that, uh, I really, I read an article that, you know, about people, what they regret on their deathbeds. Mm -hmm. And I just did not want to be one of those people. And I had so much taken away from me for so long that I decided that I was just going to go for it and do what I wanted to do regardless, you know. Right. So talk about a little bit. When did you get in that car accident? How old were you? Uh, it was seven years ago. I was 20, 21. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so from that, you said what kind of happened? You couldn't walk at all, so the legs were injured? Um, I broke my left foot, and I tore everything in my right knee. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so you, so you, yeah. So you couldn't put any pressure on it or walk at all for a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what was the process? So first of all, when you, when you find that out that they're like, you know, Hey, you can't do this for a while. What's kind of your first reaction to that? I was devastated. I mean, it was, it just kind of, 
you know, I mean, <laughs> to have your body be injured and then to have your car totaled and, you know, all this stuff happening at one time. And then it just, it sucks. And it was terrifying. And I was so mad that I felt like, you know, why didn't I, I, I really just was mad that I had, you know, that had, that had happened. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was just, it just sucked. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can only imagine. So from there, so you have this realization, you're angry about it. Obviously you're like, okay, this has happened. Um, what's kind of that next step to recovery? I mean, did you feel right away like, well, I'm going to walk no matter what, or did it take you a while to kind of find like, you know, maybe I won't, or what is it that I need to do? Kind of take us through that process till you were able to fully walk again. Um, well, at first I was like, yeah, I'm walking no matter what. Um, and, but my recovery time was two years. So Mm. I had to wait just six months to have surgery. And then, um, so during that time I couldn't put weight on. And in that time I got really depressed, um, because I was before that I was really active. And, uh, after my car accident, they actually, my job fired me because I couldn't work anymore. Mm. Um, so I had nothing really, I had to move back home with my parents. You know, I had nothing really to go do and I, cause I couldn't do anything. So, um, I got really depressed. Um, and then after my surgery, I still had like a year and a half more of like rehab and things like that. But it was like, there was a light at the end of the tunnel finally. Um, and I could finally, you know, put some weight on it. And it, it was, I would get re-injured often. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, have all these setbacks and stuff. So those were always really discouraging, but, um, after the surgery, I was like, no, you know what, this is, I'm not just going to lay down and just let this defeat me. Right. Um, I've never let anything defeat me before. Why should I start now? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just, I pushed through and I had lots of support from my family and my friends even came to see me. <laughs> um, at my parents' house, and it was it was really nice. It was awesome. Lots of support from my family and friends. Which yes, which is extremely important. Now, how, yeah. so if somebody is struggling, let's say that they're going through some sort of depression or just kind of just not in a good place in their life, you know, obviously yours is an extreme case with having kind of a major injury caused by an accident. What? what kind of advice would you give to somebody to get them to that next step to say, look, you know, it is going to be okay. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be okay. You're going to get through it and you're going to be able to do things again. What, I mean, what kind of advice would you give or what was going through your head when you were doing that? Um, Well, I suffered from depression, you know, pretty much my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, So this was just, this wasn't new to me. So I, you know, I had navigated it before. Um, But my, my thought, the way I got out of it the first time, it was like, um, you know, after 10 years, I finally got out of my depression. Mm -hmm. Um, I started doing, you know, accomplishing little things. Like if I can, um, you know, load the dishwasher, even Mm -hmm. that's an accomplishment. You know what I mean? Even though it's so tiny, um, every little accomplishment adds up. And eventually you'll feel, you'll start feeling worthwhile and like you can do things and worthy of, you know, of love. And, um, if you just do these small little things, they build up to, and then eventually you can do bigger things and, you know, have bigger accomplishments and, um, you know, any little teeny tiny thing you can do to accomplish something I think is huge. I actually, that's really beautifully said. And I always, and I don't know if you feel comfortable speaking to this, but kind of, 
you know, for somebody who is upset one day or sad versus somebody who has more of a clinical depression, mm-hmm. getting, I mean, how would you kind of decipher the difference and how do they get to that step of knowing, like you said, okay, just, you know, empty the dishwasher, just make your bed, just do something mm-hmm. that's going to make you feel accomplished and worthy and moving forward. Kind of what, what is the difference between the two? And also how, again, how do they even get to that point to say, okay, I can do this one thing and now I'm going to feel better. Um, well, first you have to admit that you are depressed. A lot of people suffer from depression. have no idea that they're actually depressed. Um, so it's more than just, you know, oh, I had a bad day and I'm, you know, sad about it and, you know, something bad happened and I'm just bummed. Um, it's, it's this, um, it's just draining. You're exhausted all the time, no matter what you, um, and it's different for everybody, of course, you know, like, uh, I couldn't sleep for the longest. I just, you know, I was on sleeping pills because I wasn't sleeping, but other people do the opposite. They sleep a lot. Um, you just, you kind of lose all your, your desire to go do things that you used to love. You, you know, I quit dance. I quit playing softball and basketball and, you know, I quit doing all the things that I loved because I didn't, there was no joy in them anymore for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, all I really wanted to do was hang out, sit on my couch with my dogs and just, you know, um, not do anything. So you have to recognize those symptoms in yourself. And a lot of people are depressed and they can, they still go out and do things, but it's not for joy. It's for obligation. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, my depression started when I was young. So my parents, I told them I didn't want to do this stuff anymore. They didn't recognize that I was depressed. Um, so they let me quit. Um, but I think the most important thing is to not quit. Um, if you are, you know, facing depression, um, keep yourself busy. That's, you know, that works for me anyway. Um, keep your, find out why you're depressed. Of course, keep yourself busy. Um, do those little accomplishments and, you know, it's, you have to recognize that you're depressed and then you have to make that conscious decision to get better because depression actually can feel comfortable to people. You can get in this, you know, funk where you, it's, it's can be scary to be happy. It's a totally new emotion that you haven't felt in a while. Mm. And that means that also you can't just be this depressed person. You have to be a real person. Like, you know, in society, you have to contribute your personality and it's putting yourself out there more, um, which can be really scary. And, uh, but depression can get very comfortable. You don't even, you might not even realize it. I didn't realize it for a long time. Um, so you just have to make the conscious decision to get better and to seek help if you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on antidepressants for 12 years, um, which is, <laughs> I'm only 29. So, right. so <laughs> you know, a lot of my life, um, but they saved my life. They right. really did. So, yeah. That's interesting. So when you say that, you know, some people can feel like they're afraid to feel or be happy, mm-hmm. what, what is the fear of that? Like what, if, if I'm happy, then I'm afraid that what will happen? Well, then you I mean, it's, it doesn't seem sustainable. Um, it's just, it's also just a bizarre thing. Like, well, why am I happy? There must be something wrong. You know, um, it just doesn't feel right to you. Hmm. It's very interesting. I've never heard anybody talk about it this way. So uh, that's actually very helpful for, for me to understand. And I hope for other people as well that don't fully understand it. So along with seeking help and, and those medications and that sort of thing, you then started, like you said, doing those little things out of time, mm-hmm. which now, you know, 
having known you at this point in your life, now I see you doing big things, which is pretty cool. <laughs> um, so now let's fast forward to, so you, you are doing dance. You are very artistic. Um, you, you do sing as well. And I know you're in, um, and forgive me if I'm saying the wrong name, it's the Fairfax Choir? Yeah. Is that the name of it? Okay. The Fairfax Choral Society, okay. yeah. And that's something that you had to audition for, correct? Yes, I was so, terrified. So that's, <laughs> let's talk about that too, right? So what you just talked about, kind of where you were, all these things you went through, and you had singing uh, singing background, um, and I know your family is into music as well. So when you went through that audition process, were you like, eh, same thing, I can do it. <laughs> what happens or was you know kind of what was your processing going into that um so that you weren't scared like well maybe I won't make it so I'm not even going to try out what kind of pushed you to say well I'm just going to give it a try and see what happens well I thought to myself if I screw this up so horribly if I just suck if it's disgusting I never have to see these people again <laughs> <laughs> that's so. a good idea I like that <laughs> <laughs> that has actually got me through a lot that's what uh helps me go to your first dance class <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, knowing that I never have to see these people again is awesome, but also knowing that if I didn't do it, I'd really regret it. So, um, you know, just shut up and do it. Just do it. Just don't even like think too hard about it. Just go and do it. Why do you think that so many people are so scared of stuff like that? You hear all the time people say, oh, I wish I had done that. I wish I could do that. I've always wanted to do this. And yet the fear is holding them back so much. Why do you think that that is? I think people are really afraid of other people judging them mm-hmm. and how they look to other people. Um, I don't think people really realize that people are really, you know, most people are not, not necessarily self-centered, but they're not focusing on you the way you're focusing on you right. and the way they don't see you the way you see you. So if you screw up, if you think it's a huge screw up, most people aren't going to think that, you know, um, I think people don't like, they don't want people to judge them and, um, they all, I think also people don't want to fail. You know, they can always say, oh, well, um, I wish I had done that, you know, because, you know, in their head, maybe they would have gotten in or, you know, but mm-hmm. they never want to find out. They never want to fail. I think that's scary to people. Do you think that because, you know, you hear time and time again, you have to f- fail in order to succeed because sometimes, you know, you have to keep trying what works, what's not working. Do you Mm -hmm. also think that people are afraid of the work? So let's say you had gone and you auditioned for this and you didn't make it. You had two options to say, well, it didn't work out, whatever, I'm done. Or you could say, you know what, I really want to do this. I'm going to start practicing. I'm going to start asking questions. I'm going to start with a vocal coach so that the next year comes around, I can do this. I mean, do you think that people are afraid of that work? Uh, Or is it, like you said, just they're scared of what other people think? No, I think you're absolutely right. I think people don't want to work, especially if they work and then fail. Mm -hmm. That's even worse. You know what I mean? So people, you know, make excuses. Oh, I'm busy. You know, I think it it does have a lot to do with people just don't want to do that work. But why not? That frustrates me. Why? (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Like to me. I think it's all three. Like, you know, they don't want to fail. They don't want to do the work. And, you know, they... I, I just think it's a combination of everything and just, you know, maybe the not working is just feeding into the rest of it. Well, it's interesting because I'm curious if it's something that, you know, is it kind of an American thing? Is it you know, <laughs> young, you know, younger kids versus older people? You know, is it that, you know, we have so many things that are uh, electronic or things that do things for us that we want everything so easy? Because I, I just... I don't know if it's the I way I grew true. up. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's the way I grew up where my parents were always like, you know, yeah, go for what you want, but you do have to work for it. It's going to take time. 
but for uh, yeah, some reason think, it's not there. Yeah. I, I think most, um, I can't really say this. I have no like proof of this, but <laughs> the, the people I see, they are, um, you know, everything they have, they've, it's been handed to them. So, you know, like I was always a really good student. So if I had to, you know, study for a test, I was not, I just wouldn't, Right. <laughs> um, you know, so because, it, you know, it's always come easy to me. So, um, but I also think young people think they have all this time and they don't realize that it just goes so quickly and they, mm-hmm. you know, before they know it, it's gone. And, and people think that, oh, I'm too old to do this now when they've always wanted to. So just shut up and do it, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, I've, I've worked with people, you know, uh, retired people who don't really start health and fitness or exercise until they retire. And I have people in their seventies and eighties that I've worked with that are in better shape than people in their twenties. <laughs> and it's, it is just because they came in saying, I want to improve. I don't know how to do stuff. Show me how, and they practice and they do the work awesome. and their posture improves. They're feeling better. They're more flexible. They have less pain. And again, it's just the, it's the showing up. I'm here. I'm ready to learn. I'm open to, like you said, potentially failing, but Mm -hmm. I want to keep working on this and getting better. And so many things have shown us time and time again, that if you keep working on stuff, you're going to fail, but eventually you're going to succeed. Right. And I think half the battle is just showing up. Yes. You know, I mean, just, just showing up is just, I think that's probably the most important thing. Yeah. I mean, when I met you, like you said, you were like, oh, I'm just letting you know, like, I just kind of started walking again not too long ago. <laughs> and I was like, what? And you were here, you know, uh, in our dance class. And I was just so impressed, again, but from the start, that kind of can-do attitude. And, and we you. talked about, well, if I can't do this, let's modify it, whatever, you know, we can adjust. Uh, I always tell people, my dad always says, life is about adjustments, and it's something that I tend to tell people a lot. You know, maybe you can't do something exactly the way you had hoped, but you adjust. And it's neat to see your progress and all the stuff you've done as well. Well, I've also had awesome support. I mean, you, there's no other, you know, dance coach that, that I can think of or that I've had that would modify things for me and help me out the way you have. So I think it's the people around you too. Well, thank you. Yeah. And it is important because I think, I mean, whether I'm doing something in dance or fitness or any type of coaching, I always tell people, you know, you can do something, but like we were just saying, it may not be the way that everybody else is doing it. So mm-hmm. you have to adjust, you know, it's sometimes, you know, everybody studies differently. Everybody works differently. Everybody moves differently. You know, what is it that's going to work for you and click and make sense? And then you can succeed. Absolutely. You have to individualize everything or else, I mean, a blanket thing is not going to work for everybody. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So now with this awesome can-do attitude, is there <laughs> something else in your mind or on your list or something that you're like, wow, this is something I really want to try or I'd really like to accomplish someday? Um, there's so many things that I want to do. I mean, oh man, there's so many things. One of the um, things that I'm working on, I, um, I've always wanted to join the Peace Corps. I don't mm-hmm. know why, um, but I applied and I've gotten pretty far in the interview process. I mean, I've had all my interviews, which apparently is, um, rare, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find out March 1st, if I get to go to Morocco in September. Nice. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, you know, and there's, there's just a lot, you know, I want to, I want to finish my um, college degree. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to do that because of the silly car accident. Um, I just, I want to, 
I want to do so much. <laughs> so when people also, they want to do so many things. So another thing that tends to happen is people get overwhelmed. They have so mm-hmm. many things that they want to accomplish that then they get that, what do they call it? Analysis paralysis where they're like, well, I don't, <laughs> I don't know which one to choose. So I'm not going to do anything. So how in your mind or how have you done kind of step-by-step process to decide like what made you decide, well, I'm going to try the Peace Corps before I try and finish my degree or before I do something else. What kind of helped you organize and prioritize what to do next? Um, my dad gave me some awesome advice when I was a kid. He said, imagine that you've already made the decision to do something and then imagine that you've already made the decision not to do something. And, you know, for like one whole day, imagine that you've already decided to do whatever you want to do. And then the next day, imagine that you've decided not to do that. And see how you feel, like see which one feels better for you. So um, if I have a ton of things I want to do, um, you know, I think really hard about, you know, what would be best now or, you know, what if I don't do it now, will I ever be able to? And then I, you know, imagine myself having made that decision and I see how I feel. And if I, you know, if it's good, then I go with it. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, then I, you know, choose something else that looks good to me. Mm, I like that. That's a very, uh, that's kind of like a theater improv exercise almost. You're right. (laughs) That's probably where you got it. (laughs) I love it. So now tell me, uh, this is something that I ask all my guests kind of at the end of the show, which is, is there a word or a saying or a life mantra that you have that you try to live by every day or every year? Oh man. Um, well, I guess um, my biggest thing is, um, will you regret it? You know, if you don't, if you don't do something, will you regret it? And that's really, I ask myself that like a million times a a day. Um, So I think that's the most important thing for me anyway, to, I don't want to have any regrets. So if I don't do this, will I regret it? I love it. It's true. And it goes with everything you're saying with that candid attitude. So Thank you very much, Shannon. Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you want to learn more, you can visit Ordinary People Doing Extraordinary Things over on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can learn more about this episode over at emotiondancefit.com slash Shannon. If you've really liked the podcast, I would greatly appreciate your review over on iTunes. Remember, each of you is capable of achieving anything you want in life, and you Yes, you have something truly special about you that deserves recognition. If you'd like to be featured on the podcast, send an email to Kerry, K-E-R-I, at EmotionDanceFit.com. Be confident, be kind, be happy.